Thank you, Jesus. I would have you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. I want you to look at verse 24. Do you love the Lord? Can you be patient with me to preach this word this morning? Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. If you'll look down at verse 34, it says all these Things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them. That it might be spoken, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the seed of man, is the son of man. And the field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. 
Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear. Let him hear. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he found one, one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into a sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. And there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus saith unto them, have ye understood all these things? They say unto him, Yea, Lord. Then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. Praise the Lord for the reading of the word. I want to preach to you today the end of some things and the birth of others. The end of some things and the birth of others. Jesus uses this terminology, the kingdom of heaven is like unto. In other words, he gives an example of what heaven is like. But in these parables are truths that... Tell us the laws of the heavens and how God governs the kingdom. He tells us what's going on beyond the realm of our immediate reality. It is a an existence that goes beyond the senses of man, beyond what we can see or smell, hear, taste or feel. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within you. Apostle wrote it. Therefore, the author and the finisher of my faith says that he dwells in my heart by faith. And that with the power of the Holy Ghost, we can put on the mind of Christ. Therefore, having prayed for wisdom. That God promises that he would give a man if he doesn't waver in his faith. You have to believe you receive a thing before you get it in order to get it. Because if you don't fully believe what you're praying for that you'll receive it, you won't get it because according to your faith, be it unto you. Therefore, when you say it. We pick up expressions off of the street that say, I say what I mean, and I mean what I say. But according to the doctrine of Christ, if we have faith in God, what we say establishes more than what we say, but what the entire kingdom of God says. 
that we are one people with one mind and one heart serving one God in one spirit. Therefore, if two would come together as touching and agreeing, the father will give them whatever they ask for. That is our faith that whatever we ask in faith and prayer, believing we'll receive. Well, here we read the story of the parable of the sower that is sowing wheat into the field, but an enemy comes and sows tares or weeds into the field. And when they begin to grow, the servants notice that amongst the wheat that their master has planted are tares. They say, well, what we need to do is go in and root up all of these weeds so that the wheat can grow unencumbered. Uncrowded. Without being defiled. Without absorbing its nutrients. Without invading its personal space. And that is a grand idea. Is it not? Now remember. The servants. Are thinking. They are advancing and willing to take matters into their own hands. We can go in. What we need is permission. We know what to do. What we need is the owner's permission to do such. Let us just go and uproot these weeds and let the wheat grow. No, I don't want that. Because while you are doing the work of the uprooting, you might not only grab some weeds, you might grab some wheat. And that is not what we want. We planted every seed in hope and in expectation of a complete harvest. If one seed does not produce, how can we say the harvest is complete? Therefore, let them all grow up together. And then in the end, I am going to send forth my servants, my angels, to root out the tares. Because they'll be full grown and established and there won't be any confusion. Now, I've preached these parables before. But here at the beginning of the year, I want to shed some new light on things. Do you know that year after year in your Christian walk? You have attempted to go inside of your own personal life and weed out what's wrong with you. And in doing so. Not only did you mess up what you were doing, but part of the good in you got pulled up as well. The will of man works against the will of God. Whatever we put our hand to 
will prosper when we submit to doing it God's way. This is the new year. I don't think that there's a woman in the church that hasn't taken a vow that in this new year I'm going to be in better shape. I'm going to lose some weight. But you said that before, didn't you? You put your hand to it and what'd you do? You lost some water one time, burned off a little fat, but it ate up some muscle as well. And then you went back to eating again and what came back wasn't what you lost. And that is in the most simple of things, is it not? Oh, what about changes in your personality and in your character that you said, okay, there's some things that I, I have to get straight. But remember, there are things that God said that you are you. He corrects things, yes. But since when did God need you to do anything? Well, since you already understand that, that in your knowledge now, you are a seed that has been sown. But in that single seed of the Holy Ghost that's inside of you is also a very complex organism. Okay, and in that being so complex, there are parts of you that, yes, they are right. There are parts of you that, yes, they are wrong. But you keep tinkering with both of them. You keep adding your bad religion to your bad works, trying to make improvement in your bad life. Let them both grow up together. Do you know you can't make a priest out of a person? Do you know that? My son is a person. I can't make him a priest. I can't make him a prophet. I can't make him an anointed preacher. He's a person. Only God can turn a person into a prophet. Do you understand that? But yet my expectation, I only know how to really live like a prophet. So that's all he gets to see. I don't really do much. But in saying those things, I can't make him be me. Look like me, Jojo. He ain't me. Therefore, I have to let him grow up him. And there's some things in him I like, maybe some things I don't, but it's not my job to go rooting up any part of it. I got to let it all grow up together. My word is my correction. Okay, all I can say is, son, word of God teaches us we must change this and we must change that. Wisdom instructs us you must go down this path and not go down that path. But you make your decisions, don't you? And sometimes your decisions aren't the will of God. And then after you made them, you're in regret and find out that really wasn't your will. Star quarterback TCU punches a cop. Right before the biggest game of his life. What is that all about? That was his will in life. That was his purpose. That's what he was destined to do. That's going to be the sum total of his life. All lost in a moment of time. And how many other brothers in the penitentiary are going to tell that same story over the squeezing of a trigger or the stabbing of a blade or whatever the case may be. And what I'm saying is that, yes, there is wheat in your life and there are weeds in your life and they are growing up. And sometimes when you put your hand to it, you make more of a mess 
than if you just left it alone. Because eventually things do come to an end. In church, we make end so final like the day of our death or the day of the Lord where everything comes to an end. But what about the end of a day? Or the end of a week? The end of a month? What about the end of a year? And here we are in the beginning of a new year. And I know we're going to say within ourselves, these are things that must be planted. These are things that must be uprooted. And Solomon teaches us in his wisdom, there is a time to plant and there is a time to pluck that which is planted. There is a time to be born. There is a time to live and there is a time to die. And when we come into the reality that power belongs to God and you have no power outside of God and Christ said without him, you can do nothing. When we give ourselves completely over to his will, then we find out that everything we want is what he wanted for us in the first thing. Everything that's been planted in us, he wanted to plant and everything that's in you that he wants to uproot, he will uproot. Are we clear? Now, if we're clear on that, then we can understand how invasive it is on somebody else when we walk through their garden and begin to pull and tug on their what we perceive to be their weeds. You know, like Samson, when his parents came to him and said, are there not enough women, girls, available brides amongst your own people? That you must go searching through Philistia looking for one of these Philistine women. And they were trying to pluck out of him what God was using Samson for. And that was an occasion against the Philistines. We might not always understand how and what God is doing and how it pertains according to his law. But we know that his thoughts are higher than his thoughts and his ways than his ways. God establishes his law. He does not break his law, but he is bigger than his law and beyond his law. Therefore, he can take a man like Samson with his faults and his character. He's got both weeds and wheat. And they both came up together. And yet when we mention the name of Samson, it is more than a story of a strong man. It is about a man who humbles himself before God and bows with all his might and he becomes a victorious example of what God can do in the kingdom. But somebody was trying to change him into something they thought he ought to be when God was making him exactly what he wanted him to be. And if I went over your head, Let me bring it into some simplistic, easy way to do it. You are who you are because God made you who you are. And God is going to change you, mold you, and make you into whatever he would have you to be. You don't have the power or the will to resist him or to receive him. Jesus said before... You chose him. He chose you. Before you even thought you loved God, he loved you first. 
God created man in his own image. Man does not have the power to make God into his image. We've been going to church together for a while, haven't we, Mike? Longer than you thought. <laughs> Got me in trouble with my pastor, man. I want to talk about that. But um, the changes that are going on in your life, is it because I mandated them? Or did God just kind of do what he does? In other words, actually, you ended up this way, did you not? Now, the doctrine of the world is you set your own fate and you are where you are because of the results of your own actions. But remember, even with the laws of cause and effect, the ultimate causer of the cause is always God. Therefore, even when you messed up like you never believed you would mess up before. God is the author and finisher of your faith. You don't know how he's going to use it, but he is going to use it for your good. We don't always understand that because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways than our ways. You are who you are, Tim. The changes that you make, whether for good or bad, that's between you and God. Now, what I have learned when you pray in Jesus name to the father and say, not my will done, but thine will be done. You become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Watch this. Old things do what? They pass away. All things become new. Sometimes the weeds just die out of your life. The the very thing that you thought was holding you back and you were spending all of your energy trying to pluck it out of your life and you never had the power to do it eventually, God will just kill it out of your life. It's not just wheat that dies because it's been choked. Sometimes weeds die out of your life. What I'm trying to communicate to the church is that power belongs to God. And that We want to tap into the power, and when we taste of it, it's like we lost it. But it was never yours in the first place. See, when God answers prayer, that doesn't mean all of a sudden that now you are the power of prayer. It just means God answered your prayer. So when you need other prayers answered and God doesn't give you the same answer like he did before in the same way and it's not immediate and instantaneously... You start ask the question why, but the answer usually is because you ask amiss according to your own will. Even if you swear, no, it is the will of God. But we don't know the totality of the will of God. The Bible says we know in part. Never met a preacher, never met a man that knew everything. But what we know that has been revealed to us in Christ Jesus, when we're honest with ourselves, we are who we are because this is what God has created. He makes one vessel a vessel of righteousness and another vessel a vessel of unrighteousness. And the vessel that's righteous looks at himself himself. 
And he says, no, God made me a vessel of unrighteousness as well. But then he marred me and molded me and changed me into something else. And that is the difference between the saved and the unsaved. We're all growing up together. But there's a mechanism in us, something on our inside that changes us from being defiled into the undefiled, from being mortal into immortal, from being a heathen into a Christian. You literally are going to try to convince God you discovered him. You found God. He was lost. Can we go deeper? You're going to look God in the face after he tells you, I have all power. And you're going to say, you tried. I think what we need to tell God is you do. When God moves you and you're doing, let it be God doing it through you. Because you will pluck up something ahead of its time. Now, I I, I want Concerning your petitions, we're going into the new year. Some things have got to be planted and some things have to be plucked up. But before you put your hand to it, why don't you put your prayer to it? Faith without works is dead. If God is answering your prayer, whatever action you take, he's authoring and whatever God authors is going to prosper. I hope you all are understanding. Now I've got some questions. Are we there? Do I have everybody's attention? Do you admit to yourself that you tried to change you into maybe something better and failed? Did you try to become a better person and you failed? How about you tried to be a better person and you just repeated what you are? Okay. Like some alcoholics are not alcoholics for six months. They're recovering alcoholics. But if they drink again, they got to start over as an alcoholic. Well, what was real? Your alcoholism or you recovered? Which one? Well, for six months you were recovered. But now you're back to being an alcoholic. So that which you were, you found out you are. But there was something for a minute. You kind of had a hold of it. Or whether it's, you know, a cigarette or a needle or whatever the case may be. My point being. They say it's like a dog returning to his vomit. Or a a washed pig returning to the mud. But a dog's a dog and a pig is a pig. Are you a pig? Are you a dog? Therefore, the changes that you want to make, they're legitimate. Are they not? Matter of fact, the changes are actually, you're motivated to do it because you're saved. 
And that was great. You got it right up to that point until you put your hand in it. You start trying to do before you prayed and walked it through in prayer. So let's let's ask some questions. What does God expect of me? What does God require of me? What has God spoken to me to do with my life? What does God want me to do? What does God want me to do for him? What do I want God to do? What do I want God to do for me? What do I want most? What do I want to do? What am I doing? How do I do it? And what is the it? Y'all are too quiet for me. Those are the questions, but remember, I can't give you the answers to the questions of life for you. I have them for me. And how God gave them to me might not necessarily be the way that he gives them to you. I know that he moved Moses different than he moved Joshua. Same God, serving the same purpose, different paths. Elisha served Elijah, but different ministries, same God. Peter, James, John, different men, same Jesus, different paths. But all the questions of life, when you ask them, there are sound answers and they can be found within you and you can find them inside of you if you search for them through the word of God. Sorry, I couldn't say that any more exciting than that. But if we are searching for the true questions and answers of life going into the year 2016, then I would suggest that we not try to do it exactly the way we did it in 2015, lest we make the same mistakes. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, is that I've been tugging on some weeds for a long time. They haven't come up under my own power, and I just expect God to remove them in his due season and due time. But in the meantime, instead of worrying so much about the weeds, I'm going to start pouring some water on my wheat. I know there's a lot of things that we can always point out that's wrong with us. And I know that we are trying to make ourselves better. But sometimes you have to spend some time on the thing that you do best. Now, I know I've got two former basketball players in here. Every player must work on his defense. Am I correct? You're supposed to work on every aspect of your game. But if Keith has a choice between doing a left-hand layup or shooting a three-pointer, he's going to shoot the three-pointer because he wants to work on that which is most fun for him and what he excels at. Tim, I don't know what your particular specialty is, but um, 
usually a player in the clutch, at least like a Kevin McHale or somebody that got three basic moves that give them 15 year careers or an Akeem Olajuwon. They go to them, them those key moves because they work on what they could do good with everything that they have. And the example that I'm trying to use right here is. I know you want quick cussing. OK, and you haven't been successful yet. <laughs> OK, well, why don't you try to put your efforts on what you do say? Instead of trying so much not to say something as are you working on what you're supposed to say? Y'all not getting it. I work on my singing, but I can work on that all day long. And as soon as Jennifer Hudson Hudson show up, y'all gonna tell me shut up. We're gonna hear her sing. Okay, so I'm gonna have to work on that thing which I do best. I'm gonna preach. I'm gonna teach. That's what I do. Okay, you you all are. The discovery of the self is when you find out there is no you. There's only Christ. Everything else is going up in the fire. (laughs) You're not going to make it. I just thought I'd let everybody know that until you identify with Christ and you become one with him. You're not getting in. Who you are. Your flesh, your mind, your will, your emotions, until they are completely converted over to Jesus, you're not getting in. Therefore, all of the work that you're doing and all of the pulling and the tugging and the wrestling and the self-improvement and all of that, good luck. But God is in control. Okay? Now, God does things through us, like allows us to have influence. On other people, such as I am really wanting to influence my daughter and my son on what a man is, what a woman is, and how they relate to each other and as the family unit. I preach Jesus to my children. Can't make them saved, though. Can you? All right. I know we have high expectations for one another. Okay, that's a wonderful thing, but we can't pressure somebody into being something that they are not. In 2016, stop thinking you're more saved than somebody else. You're not. The righteous scarcely be saved okay it's something wrong with everybody if I want to spend my time concentrating on what's wrong with you that's easy I like concentrating on what's right about somebody 
And yes, some people make that difficult. There's just not that much right about them. Even when you search hard and long for it, there's just not much there. But still, search for that. And what I'm trying to tell you is, how do they say it? Sweep around your own front door before you try to sweep around mine. I know that's sad for me doing some preaching like that on a Sunday morning. But going into 2016, I would think that the master plan would be to go before God and admit up to this point, I have tried everything. And the only thing that's working in my life is you. Everything else that I've tried, the only thing that's working in my life is when I do exactly what it is that you have told me to do. When I do that, okay, I am confident that I'm on the right path, okay? As soon as I blink my eyes, go to sleep, I can't even get my dream life right, okay? I don't know how many times my wife is going to have to get punched in the head at night because I'm fighting in my sleep. She's starting to think it's dangerous to get in the bed with me. Man, I am asleep. I am out. I love my wife. I am not trying to abuse my wife. But I'm telling you, sometimes if she flip, move, or turn, I'm swinging. Okay? And it's just because you're, you, you think you're in control of your thought life, but you're not. You're fighting for control of your thought life. Some things are going to have to be planted. Some things are going to have to be plucked up. And some things are going to grow. And some things are going to die. That's just the way it is. And you are going to have to allow God to govern your life and lead you down a path of wisdom and knowledge and understanding and receive the enlightening that he has so that when he bestows the very things that you are praying for, the reward of life that you are seeking after, you won't waste it like you did every other one of them prayers that you prayed for. And he answered. And now that was then. And this is now. And you went from, man, it's going to be good to now it is what it is. And now we get into the point where it even ain't what it ain't. Instead of my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 2016, and I would like to know in the church if anybody else has a better plan. Because even in all of the detail and all of the writing and all the petition that I have can be like the most, you know, eloquent poetry of all. doesn't mean that God is going to just up jump and do it. We have to have faith to believe that whatever God's plan is, he's going to show it to us. And that if we get close enough to him, he'll rewire the desires of our heart. So that what he has for us gives us joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I don't have to worry about what I don't have because I'm too engrossed in what I do have. Remember, Adam and Eve had everything in the garden. And yet Satan points to the one thing that they cannot, should not, must not have. And from that moment forth, he seduces them until that's all that they can focus on. What they cannot have, what they are being denied, what is wrong for them. And when they obtain it, they lost everything that they had going after what they weren't supposed to have. Now, please understand this. I know you want your life to go your way. 
But until your life goes his way, there is no your way. And as long as you keep establishing your way, you fail. I don't want to die of failure. Frank Sinatra sang a song. I did it my way. I do not want to go to my grave with that being my song. I want my song to be he did it God's way. In 2016, these are some of the things that I would love to have. And I'm believing God for them. I need a refrigerator, a washer, a dryer, a bed. I need a sofa and I need a sectional. I need a fireplace. What do they call them? Grills and the, the tools that work the fireplace. I need a gas grill. I need a car and all material stuff. We can go on and on and on. I'm the only one. OK. OK. Now, but in my inner man. So you all don't come to church and want to talk about Digging down. Okay, I'm, I'm going to show you what I mean. When you relieve yourself, you can wipe yourself. You can uh, wet wipe yourself and you can wash yourself. But if you dig deep enough, you can get dirty. Now, y'all understood what I said, right? Y'all don't talk like to talk or want to hear about Digging too dirty. Okay. You just want to go. But when they say colonoscopy. You're not hearing that. And see this sometimes a spiritual colonoscopy. We got to go up in there. And examine. All, go past all of your dirt. And everything else. To see. And when we get to church. It's a spiritual colonoscopy. And y'all don't really want to deal with that. Because you're afraid. That somebody else in the church. Is going to find out. You too. You got some dirt. In your life. You sin. Oh. I mean. You up in the top ten right. God gave ten commandments. And you guilty of like eight and a half of them. Working on nine and ten. You don't want to talk about that. But you'd love to talk about what somebody else needs to do. And how somebody else needs to improve. And what somebody else ought to be doing. It's comfortable with that one. It's always easier to see somebody else's fault than to accept somebody seeing yours. I was taught transparency when I first came to church. Wrong lesson on time. Everybody does not need to see everything in the infancy of your Christianity. You are just a pile of poop. There's nothing clean about you. You are transparent. It's like walking around with the MRI machine in front of you and all they can see is you're full of it. As time goes on, your wisdom ought to make transparency more attractive and appealing to the general population. They can appreciate your transparency because it's completely found in Christ. What I'm saying is sometimes sin must be covered. Sometimes faults must not be shared in the general population. 
I can't help you if you go home and your people keep throwing your mess up in your face because you ran your mouth about what was wrong with you because they'll never let it go. Because I'm going to tell this my sister dead in my face. <laughs> Nobody really wants to talk much about what's right with you. It's a boring conversation. Tim, who wants to talk about what's good about you? It's not very entertaining. I've been preconditioned watching TV. Everything that sells is wrong. Ain't no more Little House on the Prairie. Ain't no more Mayberry with the sheriff that don't carry a gun. No more. Uh-uh. Wait a minute. Y'all think about that. There's no, no, there, there's no more Dick Van Dyke show. Those days are over. There's no way you could just sit up and watch it anymore. Sit your kids down and make them watch four straight episodes of Leave it to Beaver. Okay, y'all think about that. I know you all, there's part of our culture that you all might not be understanding, but trust me, none of these children couldn't do it. The first five minutes of some Leave it to Beaver, and they'll unplug the TV. And the Xbox will be on or something. Okay? Now, if you all understand that what's right about you, nobody even cares. You're good to your grandchildren. Whatever. Now, if you raping them, yeah, tell us all about that. Hey, man, you heard this story about this dude over there. He was on granddaughter. That, that, that. A... Okay. But what's right about you? Who wants to talk about that? Now, if something is wrong with you, why give them something to talk about? When you go on a job interview, do you go in and tell them what's wrong with you? As soon as you sit down, let me tell you what I cannot do. I cannot add, subtract, multiply, or divide. I cannot see out of one eye and I'm blind in the other. I cannot drive and I don't do windows. Do you have a job for me? Don't call us, we'll call you. It's going to be the answer. When you go on a job interview, you do not want to talk about anything that's wrong with you. You only want to talk about that which is going to get you the job. Look at what I can do. Look at what is right about me. Sandra, you're going to get you're going for a job interview tomorrow. What are you going to do? Do you think that she is going to go in her closet and deliberately say, I'm looking for the ugliest, dirtiest outfit I can find? Huh. She's going to do everything to present herself her best to say, hey. You better think twice about not giving me the job. It's a mistake if you don't hire me. That's what she is going to want to sell. All right. You learn that. Okay. 
What makes you think when you come to church, if you do anything less than that, it's going to work out for your benefit? And every time you put your hand to you and you start changing you, you give people a window into your life to see your successes and your failures. And you don't know if you're surrounded by people that are rooting for your success or your failure. But you've given them a gateway into your life because you keep stepping out of the will of God, putting your hand to things you have no business Twelve-step program won't work without the first step. People want more action than they want prayer. And it's a strange thing to keep saying for years, oh, I'm just praying. Because somebody's going to say, well, you're going to have to do something. Yeah. And when God really will move me to go there, I'm going to do it. But in the meantime, I'm praying because everything else that I put my hand to, I lost fingers. <laughs> all right. Now you all can look at me strange, but I know I'm telling the truth. OK, so let me those questions that I asked. Y'all, I'm going to repeat them because I know some of y'all might try to write something down. And I'm sorry I lasted longer than I'm supposed to. What does God expect of me? What does God require of me? What has God spoken to me to do with my life? What does God want me to do? What does God want me to do for him? What do I want God to do? What do I want God to do for me? What do I want most? What do I want to do? What to do? How to do it? What is the it? (laughs) Some of the answers might be to live a complete and successful life. To develop and advance in mind, body, soul, and spirit. Because success in life is becoming what you want to be. Is that not true? And inside of me is a desire for a richer, fuller, more abundant life. What you want. Of all the things that I'm writing down in my life to answer those questions, the ultimate answer is Jesus. My 2016 has to be better than my 2015. I know I can't make God by force. But if I do the things that he says do, that he says moves him. I can expect for him to move. Faith pleases God. So the first thing I've got to do is believe. Walk with me, church. If I'm believing for it, I'm going to receive it. But the first thing I need to do is kind of get out of God's way. 
And I'm not saying that as if you have the power to get in God's way, but oftentimes we're so busy trying to do that we forget it's him that does the doing. We're the vessels in which he operates through. See, the great man that I want to be, I want to be it so bad, I keep getting in my own way. That makes any sense. Even when it boils down to the hours that I sleep and the food that I eat gets in my own way. Whether it's a lack of exercise, okay, reading when I'm supposed to be writing, <laughs> doesn't matter what it is, okay, looking at a mess instead of cleaning it up, you, you, you call it whatever it is. But in 2016, we really need to have that testimony. Listen, God just took over. See, I'm not telling you don't improve. This is the way to improve. Because you haven't improved if you've been pulling on a weed in your life for 15 years and it hadn't budged. You're not better because you just experienced on pulling on something that won't come up. You can pull on a fire hydrant all day long. It ain't coming up either. You just pull it. Okay. If you get so much as to get it with your bare hands to leak a single drop of water, you can call that a great accomplishment in life and you didn't do anything. But when you pray and you petition God, and you begin to plead with him that his will be done in your life, he is going to show you through his word what he wants for you to do. And then that's when it gets into this. Remember you heard me say, I need a bed, I need a washer, I need a dryer, I need a refrigerator. In the scripture, you would say, well, what does that have to do with anything in the word of God? See, Jesus said he came that I might have life and have it more abundantly. So somewhere in his will, if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he'll add all these things unto me. Well, some of the things that I need added unto me that would make my life better would be a bed a refrigerator, a washer, and drying various things for my house. Okay? Along with business plans that I have and opportunities that I'm seeking. And like I said, the list goes on and on and on and on. And it comes from having a little talk with Jesus. It comes from having a walk with Jesus. It does. Okay? This morning, I'm having to deal with some things. I talked to Ursula this morning. It's 2016. You got to talk to your wife and say, hey, listen, you know, before I hit the big red button and blow it all to smithereens, <laughs> could there possibly be another way that might work? And, of course, she does what she always does. I see you at church. And uh, <laughs> so I prayed. I just prayed. I said, Lord, here it is. And when I prayed, I gathered it all up and I brought it to church. I got on the pulpit and laid it out. Just just up there. All my petitions, desires, still working on it. I told you all this thing works every day. You got to keep working on it. Here's a challenge. Spooky, too. 
This is a 2016 planner. Just because 2016 is just now started, it is a book of blank pages. If I had reached real success in life, this book would be half full. Okay, and I'd be working with both the 2016, 17, and 18 planner. I'm just being honest. Okay, so there if you said, okay, if you have not gotten to that point, then you got to start somewhere. Autopilot isn't getting you where you want to go. Right? So I challenge you. Okay, you will not answer this challenge if you lack courage. If you don't have no courage, do not get one of these because the worst thing in the world is going to happen to you. Your fears are going to come true and you're going to be flipping through the pages of that book at the end of the year. There's going to be a lot of blank pages. You're going to find out your life ain't got much plan to it. And ain't gonna, not much really going on. Because if you mess around and say, well, I didn't have much plans, but I just start writing down what I was doing. You're going to be writing down a lot of TV programs. A lot of phone conversations that was unnecessary and a lot of conversations that kept repeating themselves that you just don't need to be hearing that mess no more. I'm preaching better than y'all. We really won't get. Okay. Are we a church that works on dreams or we just church? Ain't God good? Ain't it good? You want some more, don't you? You need a plan, don't you? Plans come from God. Pastor gave you questions. You have to search out your own answers. But answers can be found. That man that I desire to be key, he's changing because he's growing. That idea is expanding. I can even look at my heroes. And now I'm wanting to be bigger than them. I want to be stronger and live longer. I want purpose fulfilled in my life. We're small in number. Fine. More will come. That's my belief. Who are you? When they come. Because when you introduce yourself to somebody. Remember. They're going to look at you. They're going to see something. Whatever you show them. Is what they think a Christian is. Don't show them a fake. Show them Jesus. Because if you can't show them Jesus. You don't need to show them anything. Because if they see something else. That gives them an excuse to stay that way. And then when they look at you and they say, hey, why do you have hope? Why do you have the fear of the Lord? Why do you reverence God? How did you have any promotion or how did you have any blessing in life? What is the answer to these questions? And if you can't look them square in the face. And say, it's the grace of God. Honey, you are who you are. Just keep being you. Just keep on coming to the church. And stop listening to other people. 
about what you ought to be and what you shouldn't be and what you should be doing and where you ought to be going and what you ought not be doing and all of this and you should eat this and eat that. Stop for a minute. Have you even learned to pray? Do you even know how you're saved? Are you saved enough you can give somebody else the plan of salvation? Are you strong enough in your faith right now that you don't miss church anymore? Are you strong enough in your faith right now that when anybody asks your sons, your daughters, your associates, this, that, and other, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is Christ Jesus? You would figure after graduating in 1982, enough time has passed where the whole world is going to pass the champion Christian. I really don't want to talk about anything else anymore. I'm fine with that. Okay. You get to be who you want to be. Why can't I be who I want to be? Is that true, Mike? Now, who you are. Did I love you for you? So, the closer you get to Jesus, you think I'm going to love you that much more? Why would you think that? I mean, I love Jesus. Well, what makes you think that if you get more Jesus, I'm going to love you more? The answer is going to be because I can't help myself. What happens if things don't go your way, though? Can I love you any less? Isn't the same Jesus by you, success or failure? Okay. Maya, you think I'm going to love you anymore because you get older? You're going to always be this to me. Okay. She keeps forgetting that's the little girl that ran into the pew and bloodied her eye. Never forget you're never going to be so much grown man that you're just not a godson to me, a nephew. Because I love you. Keith, I'm your friend, good or bad. Okay? Sandra Lyons from Green Springs. Two thousand and sixteen, who you want to be? It's real quiet. Y'all are just I'm I can be shouting and hollering, but the, the, the root of this lesson is in two thousand and sixteen. I know that God is in control. I can put forth every effort in the world to be the super duper man that I always dream of. And with my hand all over it, I'll be standing here right in the same place, 2017, and I'll be this, not a single change in my life. And you'll say, what happened? I thought you were working real hard on that. And I'm going to tell you, I did. But the real answer is I got in the way. God has to do it, man. The origin of this, of course, is myself. But in a discussion with one brother about another brother and how sometimes they can be this and then flip over to that and then the the flip back and forth and ain't neither one of the flips right. Okay? What is that? And it's God makes a person who he needs them to be to serve his purpose. Okay? Like... Your cousin is your cousin. Your auntie is your auntie. Your sister and your brothers are your sister and your brothers. They are who they are, right? 
You see what you see in Christ, whether they see it or not. You can want them to see it and try to even show it to them doesn't mean that they're going to see it. And you just have to understand that only God can reveal it in the first place. See, everybody I preach to doesn't hear Jesus through me. Doesn't mean they don't hear Jesus. God has to open their ear for them to hear Jesus through me. Okay. see, the same person that can talk to you about some subjects can't talk to you about other subjects. It's just that's just the way that it is. Okay, I know it's some conversations that Keith probably had with Moses that he would never have that conversation with me. Probably say, champ, I'm sorry, man, I can't get your brain waves to slow down. That's <laughs> OK. But then please understand. You're you, too. And everybody that you're putting up with, they're probably putting up with you, too. We don't like to look at it like that. OK, we like to think of ourselves a little better than we, what we actually are. But I've come to find out that. We, if you have anything in you where you feel like you're kind of putting up with something or you're being put up with. Not being ugly. I'm not. Uh, it's just 2016. I just want to march into it in truth. I have my petitions. I need what I need from the Lord. And. The only way that's going to happen is if God moves. Okay. My pastor, being who he is, grabs his phone, goes to YouTube, and shows me a preacher in a clergy robe, runs clean around the church. And then when he gets in front of the, the altar, he just dies and slides. And he says, is this what we have to do now? We've become such a spectacle that the only way I can get my messages across is to run around the sanctuary and like slide face first like I'm sliding home. Y'all are laughing, but we've thrown up handkerchiefs and done the spin. And, you know, we've had the choir sing. We've had a whole lot of entertainment factor going on in the church. Has our condition changed? Has our community changed? Have our motives changed? Okay. Are we getting in God's way? Are we making a mockery out of God with that foolishness? I mean, what is church supposed to be when you came in? I mean, we can sing some songs and we're going to pray. And I can teach this word. But how I teach it and how I preach it, I mean, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm no Joel Osteen, but I don't see him hooping in seat. I'm in C flat. Hey, hey. That ain't Joel Osteen. And every one of them preachers that can do that and got them Negroes in there jumping up and down like popcorn ain't never going to build no church like Lakewood. They're about as big as we are right now, but they're just popping. I don't want that. I want something better for us. We're people of greatness and accomplishment. We're supposed to pour that out on our children. Okay? Got so mad at Miles the other day, I wanted to fight with him. Yeah, you. Wanted to do it. I said, okay, man, you know, what happened to them books I gave you? Um, we'll see what had happened was, okay, well, what's your favorite book? Well, I don't really read much. You can't tell me that, dude. I spent my whole life reading. 
Don't even tell me like that. That stuff make me mad. Want to fight? I come over to your daddy's house. Sometimes I sit down. I just pick up his Bible just to let him know this is your Bible. And let me see things. You ain't touched it in a while. Okay, here we are. Okay. All right. We've got to make some changes. All right. You have to. I got to get my son off of games. He hooked on them things like heroin, man. Talk to him about everything in life. All right. Whatever. They got this headset, PlayStation, Internet. Got to have it. On top of that, what else? Oh, yeah. I need no, not just regular. You have to understand my son. No regulars. I need alienware. Computer components. See, here we go. Here we go. I love you too, son. I love you too. (laughs) I'm going to get you some work gloves and a shovel. (laughs) In Jesus' name. Because things in 2016, they have to change. Yes? And what I'm trying to say is we want to put our hands on the things that we're supposed to put our hands to. Don't put your hand on things you ain't got no business. Don't try to pluck up something you can't pluck up. Don't try to plant something on a rock. It goes in good soil. Okay? Okay, how smart you are. Okay? If I sound like I'm repeating myself, y'all need to hear this. You cannot outsmart God. I know you've got your ways, and you think your ways are better than God's ways. You don't want to say that. Okay? Because some of y'all going to say, well, you ain't got to pray about everything. See, Bible says pray without ceasing. You already starting off wrong. Okay. Somebody going to say, you ain't got to go to church all the time. Okay, there you go. Well, everything ain't in the Bible. Okay. Keep on saying this crazy stuff. Instead of saying, I think pastor was right. My answers are in here. Until you become a cover to cover Christian. Y'all do know what that is. I ain't talking about cover charge. That's what I meant. <laughs> I'm talking about cover to cover. All right. Until you get your answers. Because if we're not committed to that, we're going to continue to fail. I don't want to fail. I'm going to succeed. Now, let me ask you something. If you give yourself to Christ, what do you think he'll do with you? What do you want him to do with you? What did you come to him for in the first place? What is it that you need? What is it that you want? How do you want to identify with God? How do you want to represent God? What is being a representative of Christ? What does that mean to you? What's it about? Because if we're taking church into something that it hasn't been, we realize now we're going beyond just assembly and entertainment level and preaching cute sermons, but we're actually becoming an integrated people with a mission that have a job to do. Okay. well, there's got to be more to my personal life. There's got to be more to my family life. There has to be more in every area. And how is that going to take place? How is God going to move? It, it move. Is God going to move? And when he moves, am I ready for him to move? Did he move and I missed it?
There's no fun standing at a bus stop watching the bus go by because you missed it. Or going to the airport and running up to catch the plane and it already took off. There's no fun, is it? Okay. And yet we've all had that experience. In Christ, I'm like, God, because somebody is going, how God moved. You're like, I missed it. And look at what God did. What about missed it? And you say, no, Pastor, it ain't always like that. Well, I go to my Bible. My man says that, well, when the angel troubles the water, the first one in gets healed. But when I go to get in the water after it's been troubled, somebody just stepped right over me and get the blessing. I literally watched the move of God go right by. Jesus passed Bartimaeus up before he stopped and responded to Bartimaeus. Some of us won't allow the blessing to just walk past us. Sooner or later, after two or three trips around the merry-go-round, some of us going to jump on. Are y'all feeling me? Sometimes when Jesus passed by, if he even looked like he's going to step by me and I don't get a blessing, some of us going to start screaming out, hollering out, grabbing out, stretching out. Okay, tearing holes in roofs, whatever the scriptures command us to do to receive from God what we must receive, we're going to grab a hold of that. But in the meantime, all that religious stuff that we have, we pulling it, pulling at them weeds, pulling at that weeds. Okay, all them graveside services and them candlelight services and all that religious stuff. I got to go to funeral wakes uh, today and tomorrow. Okay, I know it's going to be a whole bunch of stuff going on. I just don't feel like it's even necessary. I'm gonna have to endure it. In other words, what do you see, Pastor? I just see people plucking, trying to pull on weeds that won't come up, and they don't even know what they're doing. Like that little boy in the movie says, I see dead people, and they don't know they're dead. I came back and said, I see poor people. They don't know they're poor. Okay? Sometimes we think we're doing something so good in Jesus, and we're so far from him, it's not even imaginable. I've said enough. Stand to your feet. Now, there's some great people in this church. Okay. If I can't get no amen on that. There's a great person in this church. It'd be me if it had to be. I'm not speaking out of my vanity, but I'm not going to let nobody pull me down either. Once again, there's some great people in this church right here. Right now, today, this Sunday morning, going into 2016. Now, if we would come together and pray and really believe God all for the same thing, that whole abundant life, we can have it. I know it's going to manifest itself different for every one of us. Okay? But remember, however God moves in any of our lives. We need to be happy for one another. Not jealous. Not envious. Okay. And then we have to believe. If if we were praying together. And God moved on Mike's behalf. Most surely I was at the prayer too. He's going to come through with mine. Might take a little longer. Okay. I, I, was, I was hoping for some. He got his blessing. That was his. You know, like he the one that wanted the BMW. I'm the one want the Lexus. 
I don't want the BMW. You have a right to say that. Okay? You have a right to say, no, my dream. This is what God showed me. I didn't mean to be rude to your sister, man, but when she started telling me what I need to do and ought to do and opportunities that I was missing, it just didn't click with what God was trying to tell me. So I didn't rebuke her, I didn't reprove her, I didn't do nothing. I did just, I just stood there, I didn't say a word, like I'm really dumb. <laughs> like I'm really stupid, because if you do that for long, the people will stop talking foolishness just That's exactly y'all think I'm lying. That's exactly what I did. I couldn't be rude. I couldn't respond. Okay, what could I do? I didn't even look at it. I just you're laughing because sometimes you have to come up with some kind of defense mechanism to keep people from. Bogarting their version of what God is supposed to do in your life on you. That's not what God told me to do. He didn't say nothing to me about none of that. Okay? You know what you want? You wrote it down. If you didn't write it down, go write it down. That's for you. I didn't ask to get in none of y'all business. Now, y'all, just in case. Okay? opportunities present themselves. We don't have finances for some of them. Some of them we do. Okay. Everything costs a lot of money. So don't get mad at me when I pray for more than what you pray for. (laughs) Okay. See that picture, that building up there? I'd never try to draw attention to that picture. All I was trying to do was say in this little bitty spot with these little bitty pews that we have, this is how we actually tried to set it up and how we see ourselves. And I just left it at that. But I would love to take our ministry to that point where the facility was justified. But now it would cost me, you know, what, $10 million to build that facility on that property that's right up the street that I've been eyeballing. Okay. Well, if you have a $10 million building, you need $10 million worth of operating funds. We're already up to 20. And that's just for building and facilities. We hadn't gotten started on any of the ministries yet. Oh, I'm sorry, Sandra. I have a life. (laughs) I want to live it. It is called the whole abundant life. There's some things that I would like. Yeah, your face might get twisted up. Sorry, you didn't think of it first, but I did. If God give it to me, I'm sure going to do what my daughter said. My daughter got a purse for Christmas. And she said, I'm taking this over my granny's house. I'm going to flash it. <laughs> didn't she? She said, I'm flashing this all day long. I want to flash some too. Yeah. Amen. But I want my flash to come from the Lord. Amen. So if I can believe for something big and great, I'm not putting a limitation on yours. Father, here we stand in Jesus name, knowing that all power belongs to you, that the only will in the universe that counts is your will. And we ask that your will would become our will. 
that we would be conformed to your image, Lord, that you would be our God. We pray that we be in agreement with your every move. We pray in Jesus name that you would bless us and keep us. Lord, we have big dreams. We want the ministry to expand. We want our personal lives to expand. We want the lives of our children to grow. We want it all. Food, clothing, shelter, transportation, and as nice as you can make it that we may walk in it.